Hear ye, hear ye, word nerds. Be forewarned. This podcast contains saucy language of the modern and early modern variety. So plan your listening accordingly. Or don't. That's a choice you can make. Don't say we didn't warn you. Um, yeah. Your screen froze on me, but I, I can still hear you and stuff, so. Mm. You're all <sighs> choppy, but I can hear you just fine. Damn this internet. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Also, damn my cats, because they knocked over the box with all the pieces of paper in it, and they took the papers. So hold for just one second while I strangle them and find the papers. (laughs) We're never going to get this episode recorded. Shakespeare show. We are your hosts, Jazz Hamlet and Aubrey Whitlock, and together we are Whamlet. Each week, what we do here uh, is we discuss a different play. Sometimes Shakespeare, sometimes it's not. This week, it is a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah, uh, and it's a two hundred one, which is um, what it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're so it's great like a at improv. Kind of, well, it, no, because it, it's a different kind of 201 that we've never done before. So It is. Yeah. I I you know, thank you to uh Courtney who Courtney who was the the genesis of this idea, but I think also you know, um in the spirit of like cramming a bunch of topics into one 201 kind of like we did with Carter in our last episode. I feel mm-hmm. like this is the way of um getting maybe several titles that we didn't necessarily want to devote a whole episode to like because we're down we're scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point right like we're circling around like the the titles that we don't want to talk about anymore so we're putting them all in a hat and we're gonna it's gonna be like a, a 201 roulette yeah 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 so we're gonna say some stuff about whatever we pull out of the hat and I guess we can just take turns does that sound okay yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So this week we're going to go narrow and deep. Not really. We're going to no. go very, very shallow on and <laughs> a very, bunch very of different wide. titles <laughs> and very broad. It's yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, before we do that, we have a happy hour. Yes. Oh, yeah. <sighs> what do I like this week? I like the wonderful surprise of rooting through my pantry and realizing I have a brownie mix um, and and making brownies for myself on a snow day. That's what I like. Brownie mix. Yay. That's my happy hour this week. How about you, Jess? So this is what I like this week. Um, The super, super, super hot flag bearer from Tonga from the Olympics. I remember that guy. Yeah. um, He's all oiled up. Right. He's all oiled up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has organized a, a fundraiser for tsunami relief in Tonga. Um, and I, that, that is what I'm recommending. Um, we'll toss a link to that in the show notes. Uh, and if the spirit moves you and you are um, in a position to donate, you should do that. 
Right on. Yeah, because, you know, uh, Tonga (laughs) had uh, some shit this last week with the volcano and the tsunami that then yeah. resulted from that so that's that's what i recommend i hot men trying to help relieve their country from severe weather hardship well there you have it folks a really great balance uh brownie mix and <laughs> treats for yourself and a really worthwhile um global cause <laughs> uh all right so should we dive? yeah oh first of all we should say okay. we had said before love's labor's lost was going to be the topic this week oh yes uh but we yeah, are calling so we, an audible we, for that yes we have a we have a, a fabulous guest who is going to come uh talk about love's labors with us uh at some point but the confluence of start of semester plus it's still a pandemic uh was not great timing right. so right um yeah we're gonna get her at some point uh, we're not sure when but yeah stay tuned but it wasn't today so we're improvising um okay so i figure uh like i said we have these titles in a hat Mm -hmm. in a hat air quotes just Um, say it's a hat aubrey it's a hat um yeah and we're gonna take turns uh we're gonna take turns pulling titles and uh whatever title you pull you're gonna have to say something about it it's why the play is great or trash or whatever or the best characters or the great productions or whatever the spirit moves us word association best lines best not famous quotes dream casting Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Ooh, i like those so all of those are on the table Um, plus i kind of think anything else (laughs) yeah let's just fucking do it do you want to go first you want me to go first yeah no i'll go first since this was uh my idea by proxy of courtney who were the same person so i'm taking credit (laughs) for it even though it was her idea (laughs) great um i will just say that by now folks who are keeping track at home by now you will have realized that most of the plays we haven't done a 201 on yet are history (laughs) plays because one Dr. Jess Hamlet doesn't like them very much. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yes. And we've been avoiding them. <laughs> the no, it's just going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be fun yeah. for me to watch you have to God. talk about a play that you don't want to talk about. Right, I'm sorry. Can, what were you going to no, say? I, it's, I, I, I was going to defend my stance, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it's it, fine. You know. I don't like several of the plays in here too. It's okay. Yeah. All right, I'm not looking. All right, I'm swirling around. Rip, rip me a play, babe. Okay. The Merry Wives of Windsor. Ooh, look at me getting one of the non-history plays right. I know. Out of the back. God, the irony. Okay, we'll get her next time. <laughs> okay. Um, so when I think about the Merry Wives of Windsor, uh, I think about. The fact that there was, um, uh, by all accounts, fan-fucking-tastic production of it at the public uh, this past summer, question mark? Mm. Yeah, this past summer. Um, And while I am not aware that that production is available to stream anywhere at the moment, um, I can tell you exclusively it's not exclusive this is well it's not common knowledge but it's public knowledge um that if you if you have uh hbo um there is a 
documentary about the production on HBO that you can watch. Um, yeah, I think I added that to my playlist because I yeah, definitely do want to watch same. that. Yeah, I am now blanking on the title <laughs> of what that documentary is. Oh, yeah, because I watched I watched the trailer for that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the covid stuff and like all the obstacles that they had to try to to try to put that show up what is it called it's called reopening night <laughs> there we go there it is reopening night yes yeah um i have not yet watched it so that is all i can say about it but i'm gonna watch it maybe mm-hmm. today because it's a snow day and you all should watch it and, uh, you know, I I think Barry Wives is a super underrated play. I really do. Like, it's funny. It's got a lot of heart. It's got, you know, mistaken identity and the, the uh, like, wife swap shit that's not really a wife swap, but it's kind of a wife swap. <laughs> you know, it's got fairies. It's got practical jokes. It's got good lines. I, you know... I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Merry Wives. Also, I saw the opera one time, and that mm. is a fucking riot. Merry mm. Wives as an opera in German? Yes, please. That was so fun. It was so fun. It was like the only thing that could make me like Falstaff. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's what I have to say about Merry Wives. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Good job, <laughs> you. All Thanks. right. Yeah. Okay. It's my turn. I am. I, I wish that I could. I know. Pick for you, but I know. alas, I cannot. It's okay. It is blind. I, this is a rather tall yeah, no, hat. I can see you. I can see that you can't see. Yes. Uh, King John. King Aww, John. Lucky. <laughs> King John. Am I lucky though? I mean, yeah. uh, okay. Sure. All right. King John. I have very fond memories of King John only because uh, I got right. like the, the royal fun mm-hmm. treatment from the Folger mm-hmm. when I um, when I went to see it because it was my canon completion play and I'd waited so long to complete um, my canon on it. Let me see. What else do I love about it? I love a lot um, about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I've only got that production history to go on, sadly. Um, I mean, not sadly. It was a good production. <laughs> but, like, that's the only one. Um, right. Well, it's not It's not done often. It isn't. It isn't which done. Is stupid. Yeah. It's not done often enough. I like the fact that it is one of two plays that's completely in verse. Or, like, almost all in verse. I know Richard II is yeah, completely in verse. Richard I think II, King John. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think King John is all in verse. I like that just as a concept and as a challenge, but also I'm not the actor that has to go out there and deal with that. So I remember really enjoying um, the production I did see at the Folger. I remember really enjoying the performance of the young woman who played Arthur. And mm-hmm. she was so, so good um, at just being a scared little boy. And she was just like, physically small i mean like most um (laughs) actresses who end up playing those pants roles and like little boy parts um she's she's very small and they had this like really big set piece which was a huge throne like right in the middle of the stage and so she looked tiny you know 
Um, that was a really striking image that kind of still sticks with me. I honestly, I don't remember any lines from King John except for the sad ones from Constance, um, because that those are the most famous ones, right? Um, mm-hmm. The grief fills up the room with my absent, my absent child. child. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is a stunningly, I think, prescient encapsulation yeah. of what it is to grieve. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. Those words, her words are just gutting, um, mm-hmm. which I think is why they're probably the most memorable from that yeah. play. You know um, who hmm. loved King John? Besides you? <laughs> Besides me. And I'm in good company. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, did he now? He did. Because uh, a thing that you might know about Abraham Lincoln, if you reach way back into your brain, uh, is that he he lost a child. He, right? he had a yeah. son who died um, of like mumps or whooping cough right. or scarlet fever. One of those 19th mm-hmm. century diseases. Um, and he he turned to King John for comfort. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, they may not know it because, again, not actually, I mean, not a lot of people do King John, not a lot of people produce King John, but those words are are really beautiful. So that, uh, that, that there's me sort of an underwhelming start to this game for me here. But yeah, that's King John. Woohoo. Those are my thoughts I and opinions. King John. I love King John. It also does look like it's all in verse as I'm flipping yeah. through it. That seems like that's correct. I think I think young Shakespeare was very eager to like try that because like weren't Richard II and King John kind of early career ish plays? Uh, King John, most likely fifteen ninety six. Okay, yeah, so, so early ish. I mean, early ish. Although it's it's like approaching the middle third of plays chronologically. I think, okay. but okay, you know, we often forget that he was so fucking prolific in those first, you know, five, six, seven years. Right. Right. Well, there you go. Are you ready for the next, for your next one, Jess? You ready? Give it to me, baby. Okay. Give it to yeah. me. Okay. Two noble kinsmen. Oh, <laughs> did you see me get <laughs> so excited about two gents? Uh... Two noble kinsmen. <laughs> Um, Two Noble Kinsmen is a play that I have read exactly one time when we were pitching it for our MFA season is when I read it. So seven years ago, and I read it with our friend Merlin, Uh and it might have just been the two of us. I don't remember anyone else there. I love the image of you and Merlin just sitting there and reading the entirety of the play together. I mean, that makes it me happy. might have been. It really, truly might have been. Yeah. So I I had never read it. I you know, never read it before and I have not read it since. I'm pretty sure I didn't even reread it when we did it in our January of Shitty Plays, which... I know I didn't because I, I was like, "That's what Linnea is for." Was that? I was like, I don't even remember who was our guest. Yes, it was Linnea. Linnea okay. Parkland. Yeah, we love Linnea. Um, right. So, ooh, no, wait, yes, no, okay, hang on. Yes, no. I have read this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because I taught it like two years ago. 
Oh, Jesus right. Christ. Um, because this is the one, this is the one that's based on Chaucer's The Knight's Tale. Sure. Yes. Yes, yep. it is. Okay. Um, and when I taught uh, the honors Britlet survey course, I th- it was pre-pandemic, so I probably fall 19 uh, is when that was. Um, I, had, I had 13 honors students, and they were all just fantastic. Um, and so I gave them uh, The Knight's Tale and was like, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? And they were like, it needs a rewrite. And I was like, Mwahaha, can't wait to see how you feel in four more weeks. Uh, and then we, we read Two Noble Kinsmen and they were like, I don't know that this is better. I was like, this one has a Morris dance and an orangutan. So, you know, what's not to yeah. like? Um, I do think it's an improvement over Chaucer. Um, I don't think it's a super great improvement over Chaucer, but I would certainly rather read Two Noble Kinsmen than The Knight's Tale. Knight's Tale's so fucking long. Like, I don't think people really understand how long The Knight's Tale is. It is interminable. It's horrific. It's too long. It's too long. It's too long. Nobody needs it. Just read Two Noble Kinsmen instead. It's better, plus then you get um, the subplot with the Jailer's daughter, who is delightful and... She is. Just, yeah. 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 Um, so you know what? I I think I like Two Noble Kinsmen. That's what I think I like about this play, is that I like it. It's not amazing, but of the, the Shakespeare-Fletcher collabs, this is definitely the better one. So... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need I need to see I need to see a production of Two Noble Kinsmen as an adult. The only one I've ever seen was as a tween. And that was a while ago, to say the least. I yeah, I need to I need to I need to see it again, I think. I've seen clips of previous ASC productions with Allie Glenzer mm-hmm. as the jailer's daughter, and she is mm-hmm delightful uh and charming and doing her audience contact like a pro because that's what she's good at Mm -hmm. and the jailer's daughter has that lovely you know interaction with the audience about like should i tell him i'm in love it's so cute but that's kind of all i remember i need to see one i need to see a good one okay yeah diving in diving in henry six part two you. <laughs> Huzzah! Henry VI Part Two. Okay, here's what I like about Henry VI Part Two, um, and I'm gonna nothing, not one single thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're not me. No, um, that's true. I like the Jack Cade subplot. I <sighs> really enjoy it. He is a dummy. It is like it is like the the Lost Boys from Peter Pan trying to take over the castle. Um, it is, I think, delightful. Uh, I am into it. Um, That's it, like it, the the only thing that everybody can like identify about six part two is Jack Cade. Yeah, and well, also, it stands but, out. But yeah, like what else is in that play? <laughs> I mean, you've got you've got like the very first inkling of Richard of Gloucester, aka Richard the Third, coming in later, who really like takes over Henry VI Part Three, right? Um, that's like the rise of Richard. You have a ton of 
you know, a ton more Margaret stuff in Henry VI Part mm-hmm. Two. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know, I think I said this in oh. our 101 of this play. I think it's mm-hmm. like the Two Towers episode of the Henry VI trilogy. <laughs> it really is. Like, it's really, it's got like important stuff for the plot. It's got a lot of like advancing the plot. Uh, and then and then Jack Cade, who advances the plot, not at all. Um, but like, so that's a fun little detour. But like it is, it is kind of like, you know, kind of all business and no, there's no glory in it, like Return of the King, you know, or Henry VI Part Three. <laughs> like there's, and there's no like witches and weird shit, you know, no, like with one, Part One. Um, this is the one with the conjuration scene. This one has the conjuration scene? Oh, Okay. Not, I mean, not the the Joan of Arc conjuration, but so there's other conjurations. The, okay, yeah, um, Marjorie Jordan, a witch. Oh, great, cool. Forgot yeah. about that. She there's like a summoning circle and. Oh, great. I, yeah, yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. So you know, I I you know, one of my close colleagues at ASC, Leah Wallace. This is like one of her favorite plays, and this is one she loves to do with young people because. Of all of the, particularly the Jack Cade stuff, she did this with, she did just the Jack Cade subplot as a drama club, like half hour cut a couple years ago, um, which was delightful. So she's going to have my head for forgetting all the good stuff that she's yelled at me about it for two years. Um, But I, like you, I'm a little bit like, meh, there's other stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like anti to Henry VI, but it's not like up there in my favorite histories. So but I do really enjoy the Jack Cade stuff. It's kind of great and also kind of timeless. Like there's, uh, I don't know. So, and again, I love the two towers. Let me just say like on, on I stand the two towers. Okay. Um, and I will stand to Henry six as part of like a trilogy structure. It's just, I, I like other histories better. Uh, this is also the play with the false miracle, which I kind of hmm. love. I'm looking for the conjuration scene, but I can't find it. Oh, here it is. Yeah, there's like a whole a whole summoning circle. Enter the witch, the two priests, and Roger Bolingbroke. Mm. And then the witch lies face down on the ground. And uh, here do the ceremonies belonging and make the circle. Southwell reads Conjurote, etc. It thunders and lightens terribly. Then the spirit Asneth riseth. Yeah, cool. It's like a whole a whole summoning circle, and then she gets like. I mean, who doesn't love a good demon summoning? You know, this is you know this is what I'm saying. I mean, I still I think the Joan of Arc spirits are better, but this one is like a proper like witchy thing. Mm. You know, this yeah. is witches, that's demons. So gotcha. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think I like all of the shit that is not overtly political. I like the witches and the false all miracle. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everything else I think is trash. But all the like government machinations. Yeah. 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 The Game of Thrones aspect of it. Yeah. Not so much. That's fair. <clears throat> That's fair. Okay. Are you ready? Next? Yeah. Right. Indeed. Law. What is next? Oh no. Sorry, something's getting stuck. Need to make sure we have all the slips. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Two gents. <gasps> I love two gents. <laughs> ah, I love two gents. 
Tell us about it. Okay. Two gents. Um, So two gents was probably my first favorite Shakespeare play. Aw. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, like, I mean, after I like got into Shakespeare and and knew more than just Midsummer and R&J, right? Um, I love two gents. I love it. I understand that it's fucking problematic. But so are all of Shakespeare's plays because they're 450 yes. years old, you know? That like is, that is the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so what do I love about Two Gents? Well, I'll fucking tell you. Aubrey. <laughs> I'll, I'll fucking tell you. What's his ass's speech? Valentine? What Light is Light If Sylvia Be Not Seen? Yep. From As Seen on the documentary Shakespeare in Love? That's the one. <laughs> yeah. I think it is a beautiful beautiful speech that just gets me like right in the fucking feels every time and then i also love the land pirates uh you know the (laughs) the the bandits in the woods i love i love that they're just like we're bandits and then they're like uh come be our bandit king and we'll just we'll be a band of bandits and i just i i love that um also partially responsible for my love is a fantastic production that I saw at Oregon Shakes. Was that the all female um, production? No. Oh, okay. No, sorry. Go ahead. I, uh, zero idea when it was, uh, I, I can't even pin it to college or before college or after college. I, I couldn't tell you. Um, but the land pirates, the banditos, um, were dressed as punk rockers and they had like their own music and light cues and it was all just, it was very, it was very rock and roll and I ate that shit up. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful play. I think, I think it's got a lot of good relational stuff. I think, um... I think it's it's a until it you know becomes horrific. Uh, I think it's a a lovely representation of male friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's a a lovely representation of female friendship with um, Julia and her maid servant whose name is escaping me. And then, uh, you know, when Sylvia is needing to escape from her home so that she can, you know, run off and, and marry what's-his-ass, um, she has a friend who, like, helps her escape. And I just, mm-hmm. I think, I think there's a lot of good moments that that are really meaty and chewy and, and exciting to dig into. And, like, yeah as a whole that play has got a lot of problems like a lot of fucking problems it's not Mm -hmm. cute i do not appreciate that the bro is like hey i love you so much bro that you can have my woman because you know that's not a thing that you actually get to do you can't that's not how that works um yeah there's a lot that's trash about it but it just it it makes up part of the fabric of my soul that play so yeah. um i love it oh that's lovely yeah i i tend to remember the productions of 
two gents that I've seen based on the dog that they used. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even think about the dog. <laughs> I mean, Shows all you. I think about is the dog, honestly, right. frankly. Um, like, I, I think it's it's funny. You know, I've seen uh, and pretty much all of them at, at OSF, aside from the one two gents ASC did several years ago. Um, have I've seen them at Oregon Shakes. And so, like... The tradition for a while was like small, manageable dog, that yippity yappity dog that's going to cause trouble, right? And then one time, yeah. and this may have been the same production with the punk rock Land Pirates. Um, I remember it was Ray Porter who played Lance is the one with the dog, right? Um, yep. Yeah, uh, Ray Porter uh, is kind of an institution at OSF. Um, he does a lot of audiobooks now, weirdly, um, but. Uh, the dog they gave him that year for that production was this huge, drooly, white, <gasps> great Pyrenees dog. <gasps> and I'm telling you, that dog was more horse than dog. It was gigantic. And it was so funny because he, like, that dog was giving him nothing. You know, like, it just, that dog was the chillest dog I've ever <laughs> seen, ever. And, like, because it's a big dog. It's not a big, energetic dog. That dog was just chill as fuck, and he was so huge um, that if he didn't want to go somewhere, even a rather large man <laughs> like Ray Porter like, couldn't get him to go anywhere. And if that dog wanted to sit down and stay for a while, like, he had to. Um, but, like, he never... <laughs> Uh, it wasn't like one of those dogs like misbehaving, you know, it was more like the dog just kind of, uh, and so he was playing off of like a dead partner, which was just so funny and it drooled everywhere. Um, and I remember, you know, my family always liked to sit in the front row and this was at the outdoor in the Allen Pavilion, their Elizabethan theater outside. Um, so we were in the front row and just, uh, it took all of my self-control to not like leap up and like put my arms around that dog. Um, but also like you could just see the drool, like, you know, you were in kind of the splash zone in the front row. That dog was the cutest. That dog was the fucking cutest. Um, and then, uh, I remember when, uh, the touring troupe did two gents. God, when did we do it? 16, 17, maybe. Um, but like the touring troupe would partner with like local animal shelters to feature some dogs in their productions, mm -hmm. which I thought mm -hmm. was a really cool thing to do. And I remember when they finally brought the tour home and they were in residence for a couple months, there was one dog and I hope she eventually got adopted. Her name was Princess and she was like a blue pit bull mix. And I know that there's a lot of stigma around pit bulls, but she was like the sweetest gentlest most well-behaved girl from what i heard i was working in the box office at the time but like from backstage they were like princess is the sweetest girl and she can't seem to find a home um so i hope she eventually got adopted but like everybody loved princess so and she just wanted belly rubs princess was more more than uh, more often than not she would just like flop down on the stage and like spread her legs like a whore and expect a belly rub you know um so what I love the most about Two Gents is the dog. <laughs> sure. Love and a bit sure. with the dog. That's all I need. That's a lot but also that, that, oh God, that big old Great Pyrenees just, oh, stole my heart. It was really good. Uh, okay. Well, it's my turn. I'm probably going to get a title that I hate. 
because I've made Henry fun of you for probably eight. getting Henry eight. <laughs> Henry eight. Uh, you're so mean but it's my karma today apparently okay well Henry six part three <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking hell fucking uh, hell that's um, the one where Henry dies right it is it is the one where Henry the sixth actually dies it is the one where a lot of people die. Um, Papa York dies, and then like there's a battle where the three remaining York sons, Edward and Clarence and Richard, are like, dazzle mine eyes when I see three suns in the sky. Mur, 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 weird celestial things. Uh, it is... Um, I mean, Richard III gets his own play to be, like, evil and dastardly, but he really gets two plays because he really starts to show himself as a uh, rascal in Henry VI Part III. There's, um, um, there's hmm. a character in this play named Synclo. Cool. According to the New Oxford. Synclo. Interesting. He's a, a keeper keeper of a deer park. Apparently. Hmm. Hmm. Um, don't remember that detail at all. Nope. Uh, it's been a minute since I've seen uh, any Henry VI Part Three. Well, let's see. What else is I there? I love how good? I fucking played Henry VI and have no knowledge of any that's of these true, plays. That's true. That's um, true. Let's see. There's a child murder in Henry VI Part Three, little young little Rutland dies. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just lots of stabbing, lots of battling. Uh, you know, the War of the Roses is brought to its uh, bloody conclusion. It sets off the, you know, eventual Tudor dynasty. So, like, whatever. The Most of what I know, frankly, about any of that comes from the Stars series, The White Queen. <laughs> and also... Shakespeare's play. You were the one that put me on to the White Queen. You're the. It was all was like, uh huh. You were the one that told me to watch it. Yeah. I feel like you were the one who told me to watch it, and I have no memory of watching it. <laughs> no, because we've had conversations about this. About like, it um, it sort of humanizes Richard, but it's like it's like all the stuff reading up leading up to Richard the Third. Huh. Um, Maybe Courtney told me to watch it, and then I told yeah. you to watch it. That seems it's, like a thing Courtney would tell me to do. Yeah, it starts with um. Courtney, if you're listening. Jeremy Irons is young hot son <laughs> being Edward the Fourth. Mm. Um, Wait, like that. Jeremy Irons is real life hot son? Yes, whose name I can't remember. I just remember Jeremy Irons has a hot son. Yeah, and he played Edward the Fourth in The White Queen in the Stars series, The White Queen. Yeah, and it goes into like a lot of detail about Clarence's being a turncoat um, twice. And all the back and forth with Warwick. Jeremy Irons is Max. His name is Max Irons. Yep. Ooh, we're the same age. He's four days older than me. Ooh. His name is Maximilian Paul Diarmuid Irons. Dermid. It's Dermid. No, it's Dermid. Dermid. I don't know. I don't know how to say that. It's, can you hear me? Dermid. Yeah, Dermid. Maximilian um, Paul Dermid Irons. He is hot. You are correct. 
Yes. Well, if I recall, he's got a nice bum too, because there was definite like butt shots in that first episode. So um, that has nothing to do with Shakespeare's play. <laughs> there are it? no, there are no bare butts. Sadly, I mean, in most productions of Henry VI Part Three. Textually, this just yeah, this is a production it's, choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. They could fight like full on Celtic style butt naked slathered and woad they could do that they shouldn't it's not historically accurate for their period but, but, but they, they could, could. <laughs> they could that's what i got i am like <laughs> i i i love the first henry ad like uh, richard ii aside mer, although carter did kind of sway me on like why richard ii is important or for the rest of those yeah but like i'm way yeah. more excited about the first tetralogy than i am about the second so sorry i know i'm letting some people down um eh. i mean look it's we're deep into season five six yeah something yeah yeah like five if they don't know what they're up for that's true I'll, that's like, true come if on. you don't know where i stand by now then you're probably yeah. a brand new listener yeah. so yeah. welcome which this welcome. is where i stand <laughs> don't don't let this put put us yeah. put you off of us yeah i mean you know going back to my yeah. lord of the rings thing i love return of the king but i the analogy just doesn't follow for henry six part three i mean it's okay I'm, uh, it's okay i'm a little i'm just because eh, eh. there's no king to return to it's richard three telling you at the very end of that play like watch what i'm gonna do next i'm gonna murder everyone with like edward being crowned as an afterthought like that's that's not that's not aragornish at all it's not, it's not right um and on that note you ready for your next title yeah go ahead okay that's good um because you now get to talk about edward the third Ooh, i love edward the third okay um it's one of the two history plays that i really like it's that and king john um and one henry six it's one of the three history plays that i really like okay speak on it preach i i shall so i read edward the third for the first time i think for comps so Mm. not not that too terribly long ago um and i had a great time with it uh, although there are four kings in that play, and that is too many kings, which I am certain that I said when we did our 101 on I think on you play, did, yeah. It's too many kings! It's, <laughs> it's too many kings. It's Edward, and then it's the king of France, and the king of Scotland, and another king, uh, and then also Edward's son, who is also named Edward, but we call him Ned, unless we also call him Edward. It's just, it's like... Right, yeah. I mean, you know, my my beef with all of the history plays, and this is actually just a beef with English history, is like, get some new fucking names. Yeah, know? really. It's very like, difficult. It's all Edward and Henry and Richard, if you're a dude. And yeah. then if you're a girl, it's Mary and Elizabeth and Jane and Anne. Mm-hmm. And those are your names. That's <laughs> uh, all yeah. you have to choose from for 300 years, seems like. Yep. And it's like, can you not, though? Thank you. <laughs> I digress. So, uh, again, I'm pretty sure that we talked about this uh, in the 101 episode, but that was a long ass time ago. So I'm going to say it again. Um, it I think that Shakespeare used this play 
as a warm-up for Romeo and Juliet. I feel like there is some some flowery language in there that he played around with and was like, you know, I didn't I didn't quite get it right in this play, but now I'm gonna write a play that's actually about love and I'm gonna nail it. And I that's that's my hot take on on Edward the Third. Also, it's just like a fun, great play. There's like ships and romance and battles and a whole like um like prophecy with some ravens and crows and shit and like it's it's action packed and uh, uh, there's a badass queen who like rolls up on her own fucking ship and she's like, "What up, bitches? I'm here now." Also, I've got a great name. It might be Philippa. I forget, frankly, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's a good, it's a really good play. It's a really, really, really good play. Um, yeah, Philippa, Queen Philippa, wife of Edward the Third. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, uh, oh, the King of Bohemia is the other king mm. in the play, the fourth king. Um, mm-hmm. I love Edward the Third. I, I would love to see it. Me too. Um, yeah. I would, I would, so if you're out there and you're like, hey, I wonder what play I'm going to do on the global stage for next season so that Jess and Aubrey can see it. Edward the Third. Yeah. You're going to do Edward the Third. I think I read it for the first time when you were doing comps because we were going to do this episode. Yeah. And I said, you have um, to read it. That is all that I remember. You know what? <laughs> so I want to talk about dream casting for this play for just a second. Okay. Because yeah. that was do a let's. thing that I pitched last night yeah. and we haven't actually okay. done it. But so the four kings in this play. Okay. So um, Edward three and then uh Francie McFrance a lot those are like the main kings and then uh-huh. um the Scottish king and the Bohemian king are like lesser kings but I would like to see Chris Evans just okay. full stop I'd like to see Chris Evans um yeah. <laughs> but I'd like to see Chris Evans as um the French king I think okay and then I would like to see I'd like to see Idris Elba as Ed three. Okay. This is what I think I'd like to see. Okay. And then for, for our two like lesser Kings, I think it would be really funny and I don't, this play is not a comedy. So, but whatever, this is my dream. So I think it'd be really funny if one of the Kings was like a six year old. <laughs> um, or you know, just rising maybe not, child stars. Yeah. Maybe not a six year old, mm. but like some, someone young and precocious, um like uh oh what's his ass who's neither young nor precocious anymore because he's like an actual adult human but was young you know what you know what no one of these kings is going to be jonathan taylor thomas but like (laughs) back in the day right little jtt action up in this biz sure yeah with the hair yeah 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 that stupid that butt cut (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we've got JTT. We've got which Chris king though Evans. for him? Uh, I'm gonna Bohemia go or the other guy? Bohemia, because I'm pretty okay. sure the Scottish king. I know the Scottish king gets captured. I think he also gets executed. Although I'm not, I don't. But I don't want to execute JTT as a child. Great, yeah. That I feels mean, no a little gross. It feels um, wrong. Idris Elba. Yeah. Okay, and then and then for 
our Scottish king. Oh, you know who the fuck is our fucking Scottish king? James McAvoy, always and forever. Who? Graham McTavish. <gasps> oh, uh, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 He's welcome. so great. He's so, He's so great. Yes. Great. Love that guy. Yep. Yeah. So okay. Scottish. He's so Scottish. Nailed it. Fucking yes. nailed it. You're I welcome, will, world. I will give over James McAvoy's beautiful blue eyes for just all everything that is Graham McTavish. Yep, he'd make yeah. a great Scottish king. He's probably played many Scottish kings. He probably um, has. Ooh, yeah, fun. Good casting. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Next play. Okay. My turn. This will be this will be the last one then. You and I will have gone equal numbers okay. of times with this one. Perfect. Okay, what is it? Is it Henry VIII? <laughs> no, it's Timon of Athens. Suckle. <laughs> Timon of Athens. You know what? I think the world is ripe for more productions of Timon of Athens right now, right here in this moment. I think, I think regional theaters are sleeping on this play right now when they shouldn't be, because we have all been cooped up inside. We are all hating each other. I think this play is perfect for right now in in my most misanthropic moments. But also, you know what's funny? Okay, so recently in in the fall, in the late fall, um, I was rereading parts of Timon because we were looking for, weirdly enough, we were looking for, like our, our marketing department um, and our engagement department is always kind of looking for, you know, nice little snips of text for for campaigns of whatever, sure. you know, and like November gratitude campaigns for donors, things like that. Um, and this this play, weirdly enough, for taking the turn that it does into just hating everyone and being really cynical about the human race it has a lot of really nice lines about gratitude um yeah it uh and and like they're kind of they're at the beginning right um because that's actually when timon is doing good deeds for people and people are genuinely expressing like how grateful they are well some of them are genuine um but so so it has some wonderful just wonderful phrases of Uh, of gratitude and thinking about coming to the aid of someone and feeling thankful. Um, And then, you know, later in the play, you've got, what's his face, Appamantus, who kind of tries to remind everyone of that, um, of that gratitude after Timon is dead, of like, you know, look at everything he did for you. So like it, um, and that surprised me. That surprised me. Uh, And it surprised, you know, one of my coworkers who kind of always like, she'll text me and be like, what's the line, what you got, what you got for this, y'all? Like, what can you find for this? And I'm like, oh, this is from Timon, and this is from Timon. People are like, really? Really? Is that from- <laughs> Yes, yes, it is from Timon. It's got some good stuff. Now, okay, I'm inspired by your dream casting here. Um, oh, yes, yeah. please. We got okay. Timon, we got Alcibiades, we got Appamantus. Yeah, yeah. These um, are the big three, I guess. Alcibiades is the general guy who likes, who actually is a friend to Timon, right? Yeah, yeah. I get turned around with all these Greek names. Played sometimes. by um, Jonathan Evelyn Holtzman in oh, that's right. the Red Season production. <laughs> yes, that's right. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, for Timon, I would love to see someone, let's see, who's an actor that's got like a huge heart that you don't want to see broken. Because that's who I'd be looking for. Mm, Colin um, Firth. 
Stanley Tucci. Yeah, Stanley Tucci's a good one. Denzel. James Earl Jones. Ooh, James I Earl Jones. Yeah. Chris Evans. <laughs> Actually, Paul you know Rudd. what? Oh, my sweet baby, Paul Rudd. Right, right, I right. mean, wouldn't, okay, wouldn't that be the most heartbreaking production of yes. Time of Athens? To have... Um, he's not Tom Hanks. He's not like America's dad, but he's getting there. He's like yeah. a sweetheart who like, yeah, I can absolutely see him like playing the over the top generosity at the beginning of Timon and then mm-hmm. just the utter heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he I don't know. I, I I have yet to see Paul Rudd in like a truly like really serious part. I can't remember the last time I saw him in a really serious part. I think it would be a challenge for him. I think it would be good for him. Um, and I think it would be good for us to watch him because I think he's talented enough to do it. That's a great choice for Timon. Okay, so Paul Rudd, Timon. And you know what? I would love to see Zendaya as Epimantis. I would love that she's got the, the attitude for, for Epimantis. Um, I think she would play so well, like the 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 cynicism that she has in Euphoria, right? Would play really well off of Paul Rudd. Um, I would love to see her play Epimantis. I would love that. I think she'd be so deadpan, like so good at that, um, and really wonderful, just telling everybody off at the end of the play. Yeah, um, I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would, yes. And for Alcibiades, because I'm thinking like, okay, we've got like military, good sense, but like a conscience, not like a meathead, like not a jarhead. Um, no offense not, to the Marines. Uh, John Cena? <laughs> no, not, not a John Cena. The Rock? Oh my God. No. <laughs> no. Um, Jason also the, Momoa. Also, The Rock apparently doesn't like to do, you know, sad movies. He wants people to leave his movies feeling good. So, like, The Rock wouldn't have us if we asked if we cast him in time. In. Yeah, I would like to see. See, I'm trying to think who'd be a good match for Paul Rudd too. Like, I'm legit casting this in my head. Like, they're auditioning for me right now. Right. Yeah. <gasps> what about Sam Hewen? I mean. Spread him on a cracker for me, please. <laughs> That's what no, about but Samuel like, Wynn? but like the quality that he brings to Jamie Fraser, mm-hmm. um, I think is a great quality to bring. Yeah, I can to do it. Alcibiades. Yeah, in my yeah. head, I see him as older, but this is not my dream casting. It's yours. So yeah, well, he could play older. They gray him up for Outlander too. Yeah, so <laughs> they put a pair of glasses on. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I know. They put like one streak of gray in yeah. Katrina Balfa's perfect hair and face, yeah. and they're like, "She's fifty now," and like, "Okay, yeah. uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, because they want them to still look hot while they're fucking." It's fine. Um, I'm not complaining. Not complaining. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you know. I was thinking like I was thinking actually back to Graham McTavish, and then I was like, oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone strong but sensitive could be good at that. Or Michael B. Jordan could be good at that too. He, no, he thinking about like Killmonger. Thinking about yeah. you know. Can he um, be shirtless? But also like that sort of that vulnerability. 
that I like. I like that. So either mm-hmm. one of those two might be good. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So now I'm all revved up. <laughs> um, I guess it's time to gossip now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's gossip and get the um, fuck out of here. So the only thing that, you know, it's it's the beginning of the year. It's a little quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I have noticed people talking about this week is mm-hmm. uh, the annual meeting of the Shakespeare Association of America. Uh-huh. It's coming up yep. in Jacksonville, Florida in uh, April. Mm-hmm. Um, registration for the meeting opened last week. It's been open for like a week and a half. Uh, and then we all, all the members got an email um, earlier this week, Friday, maybe. Uh from the executive director that was like a little shirty about covid stuff and like Mm. we're gonna have the meeting in person there are no virtual options it's that's not gonna happen we can't pivot at this late in the game we understand that omicron is scary but you know as we saw with delta it's gonna go away really fast and it was just like it felt very condescending it felt Mm. very you're a bunch of naughty children how dare you not have registered for the conference in the first two weeks of registration being open which p.s registration doesn't close ever you can register the day of the conference yeah um and like early bird registration goes until march 1st so there's plenty of time and yeah, I'm sure that they didn't get the the New Year's rush that they usually do, but because it's a fucking pandemic and yeah. like it's not an inexpensive conference and lots of people have to wait until their institutions give them funding or release their funding or decide whether they're going to fund travel at all and you know there's there's a lot to consider um and people people were like why did this email need to be sent (laughs) yeah so um that is that is the only little bit of gossip i have it's not even really well and that's not even like the way sales are working these days like i i've Mm -hmm. been learning a lot actually lately about like ticket selling trends and stuff like right because of the pandemic there's been this kind of shift in like people are not buying stuff until much, much closer to the date that the thing happens, right? And that's for ticket sales. I can imagine that that also spills over into things like conference registrations. Like people are waiting longer to to register for events and stuff because they want to see how things are going to play out and whether or not it's going to yeah. be safe and whether they can actually go and if they should be spending their money on that. Like people are waiting. So yeah, that's a bummer to, yeah. That, yeah. eh, that kind of bums me out. Uh, well, we know that the other Shakespeare conference, the Shakespeare Theater of America, did happen in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, first weekend of uh, January. <laughs> That's yeah. right down the road from me. Yeah. Yeah. They had it in Harrisburg. Uh, it, it happened. It was in person. It sounded like a good time. Other than our founder, Ralph Cohen, um, reps from the ASC did not go this year because... I don't know if you've read the headlines lately, but we had a lot of shit on our plates. Like we just mm-hmm. had a lot. There was a lot. Yeah. Like we, we, we didn't go and it wasn't because 
we didn't want to. It was just there was we had to prioritize. Also, Omicron. Like I'm I'm not trying to get it. I'm not trying to put myself in a situation where I do get it. So nope. uh, those things happened. I, I mean, I hope things go well in Jacksonville in the spring. Probably will not be going there myself either. So Godspeed to him. Um, I don't really have any other gossip. I think I'm all gossiped out from the last episode. But I do have a correction. Um, the day that our last episode dropped, we got uh, an email from a listener saying, actually, um, you are wrong, Aubrey. Someone is doing a production of Henry IV Part One right now. Sweet Tea Shakespeare down in uh, North Carolina. Sorry, y'all. I'm sorry I missed that. Way to go, Sweet Tea. Good for you. Sorry I forgot you were doing Henry IV Part One. So I mean, you couldn't forget if you never knew in the first place. You're but. correct. <laughs> you were correct. That's true. So anyway, I missed that. They are doing that. I had said no one was doing that play this year. I was wrong. So... I think they're actually running it right now, or they're about to. It's going to open very soon. So that's my correction. And uh, we're getting the hell out of here. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you leave the podcast more informed, or at least this time, full of our opinions um, than when you started. <laughs> yeah. Um, I we'd, we'd actually love to hear from y'all if this episode did anything for you. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, we've never really done anything like it, um, and we'd yeah. be interested in your feedback, but also, uh, if you were like, hey, that's the dumbest thing that you've ever done, fuck you, go away, maybe be nicer than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We're real people. Yeah. We have feelings. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so tune in next time. It's going to be The Tempest, a 301 episode. It's going to be ah. a, a heck of a lot of... Um, weather talk i don't know what it's gonna be but it's gonna be the tempest so come yeah. come chat with us yeah all right wham it out the hurly burly shakespeare show is produced and edited by aubrey whitlock and jess hamlet if you enjoyed our podcast please tell your friends rate us leave a review and subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts for show notes and other stuff you can visit our website at www.hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com you can get in touch with us by emailing holla, H-O-L-L-A, at hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. You can also find us at hurlyburlyshakes on Instagram. Or at hurlyburlyshake, no S, on Twitter. The land on which I live and work, colonially known as Stanton, Virginia, is the unceded territory of the Monacan Confederation of Nations, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. The traditional custodians of the land on which I live are the Lenape Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. Learn about where you live at native-land.ca. Get involved at ndncollective.org and find out more about the Land Back campaign at landback.org. All opinions you heard are strictly our own and not affiliated with the institutions we represent. Yeah. And if you don't remember <laughs> how hot this man is, just Google Tonga Flag Bearer Olympics. Yeah. And just feast your eyes because yum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He represented. Oh, in just the, the he best sure way. He showed up for Tonga.